I'm Eric Priante Martin, and this is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. As a shipping reporter for more than a dozen years, I've listened to hundreds of earnings calls. Don't tell my editor I said this, but they're usually quite boring. Time charter equivalent rates, cash flow break-evens, and EBITDA, whatever that is. But a recent one by cruise ship company Lindblad Holdings was different. It had whales, narwhals in the Arctic. This is actually audio from a promotional video by the company, which operates the National Geographic expedition ships. The whales weren't actually on the earnings call, but they were a topic of discussion. Here's Lindblad chief executive, Dolph Burl. One of the operational highlights from this past quarter was the sighting of perhaps the largest number of narwhals we have ever encountered in our 50-plus year heritage up in the Northwest Passage. This sighting delighted our guests and was made possible by the advanced ice capabilities of our newest ships, the National Geographic Endurance and the National Geographic Resolution, who made their inaugural voyages into this beautiful part of our planet. More and more ships are venturing into the waters of the Arctic as global warming causes ice to recede and, where there's still ice, to become thin enough for specialized vessels to break through. And there is perhaps no more iconic front line in the battle against climate change than this region of the world. Scientists say temperatures have risen here by three times the global average. That has led to a dangerous feedback loop. Global warming melts the sea ice, but that ice actually helps keep the planet cooler by reflecting some of the sun's rays. So when the ice goes away, it makes climate change worse. And this has opened the door to another feedback loop. As rising temperatures allow shipping into the Arctic, those vessels bring a pollutant that also makes the situation worse. Black carbon, also known as soot, absorbs rather than reflects solar radiation when its particles land on the snow and ice. In the halls of the United Nations COP27 climate conference, taking place right now in Egypt, experts and environmental groups have been seeking to elevate the importance of black carbon emissions in the global greenhouse gas debate. Environmentalists see black carbon as one of the low-hanging fruit of climate change efforts, since much can be done by switching to a widely available fuel. Robbie Mallett, a climate change scientist at University College London, told a COP27 event organized by the Clean Arctic Alliance that heavy fuel oil is damaging to the Arctic environment, but... If we, if we want to, if the relevant organizations come together, there is actually uh, a way for people to, to use the Arctic, to explore the Arctic, uh, to, 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 make, to make the most of, of the, its resources if, if they choose to do that uh, in, a, in a much more environmentally sustainable way uh, than is happening right now. So it's not, it, it, well, that's the title of this session. It's a low-hanging fruit. It's entirely possible uh, to, to greatly um, improve the situation. Although expedition cruise ship operators that are increasingly sailing to the Arctic have agreed to ditch fuel oil in the region, most of the rest of Arctic shipping has not switched to cleaner distillates like marine gas oil. Clean Arctic Alliance lead advisor Sean Pryor, whose organization is a coalition of nonprofit groups, said a fuel switch alone could cut black carbon emissions by some 44%, and that installing diesel particulate filters could add to that. To protect the Arctic, the focus really needs to be on the shipping that's sort of north of certainly north of 60 degrees north, but even I would say probably north of 40 degrees north. 
Um, and if we could reduce black carbon emissions from all the ships operating north of those latitudes, we would see very dramatic differences in the Arctic. And she said the results would be seen very quickly. It's not going to be the whole solution. And in terms of shipping, it's around a fifth of the carbon uh, equivalent emissions. Um, but you will see a quick result. And that quick result means that we might have a, just a little bit more breathing space in which to get into place the longer term um, changes that are transitions that need to be made to decarbonize shipping entirely. The problem for shipping, which is long powered by heavy fuel oil and since 2020 by low sulfur alternatives that still have the same black carbon problem, is that the switch to cleaner distillate fuels is much more expensive. Pryor said that in global climate efforts, the Clean Arctic Alliance would like to see black carbon treated with similar importance as carbon dioxide and methane in the discussions. And at the UN's International Maritime Organization, or IMO, it would like to see new regulations specifically focused on black carbon, requiring cleaner fuels and particulate filters as part of an amendment to its pollution convention. The IMO has introduced voluntary measures to switch to distillates, but that has not had many takers beyond the expedition cruise sector. Ludmila Osipova, a researcher at the International Council on Clean Transportation, or ICCT, said that the IMO should also include black carbon in its future calculations for greenhouse gas intensity of marine fuels. IMO documents, though, show that a group of delegates considering that said the majority preferred pushing it back to a later date to wait for maturity in calculation methods, among other factors. The IMO has adopted a ban on using and carrying heavy fuel in the Arctic starting in 2024, but Osipova said that is full of loopholes until 2029. This ban has so many different waivers and exceptions that our study shows that it will actually reduce uh, black carbon emission only by 5%. Just because when you take into consideration all these waivers and exemptions, what can be done is that they can be eliminated from the HFO ban. Or member states could take action themselves. And the ICCT, a nonprofit research group, has also urged the European Union to include black carbon in its so-called Fit for 55 legislative package. Osipova said the EU should require ships on European voyages to and from the Arctic to use distillates. After all, vessels often already have distillates in their fuel tanks to enter Europe's emission control areas. They have to navigate between uh, emission control areas in Europe. So they, when they enter these emission control areas, they switch to the distillate, right? When they exit it, they switch back to the heavy fuel oil because it's just cheaper alternative. And so just require this ship to use the same distillate fuel in the Arctic would reduce black carbon emission dramatically. Here's more on the shipping discussions taking place at COP27. My colleague Ian Lewis reports that the group Cargo Owners for Zero Emission Vessels, or COSEV, has unveiled a plan to form a Maritime Freight Buyers Alliance. The U.S.-based shippers group will work with cargo owners to establish ZEMBA, short for the Zero Emission Maritime Buyers Alliance. An inaugural group of freight buyers is expected to join in 2023. Forming Zemba is part of COSEV's roadmap, unveiled during COP27, to reach its goal of moving cargoes on zero-emission vessels by 2040. A report released during COP27 found that up to 20 large ammonia carriers need to be ordered now 
and then build every year to 2030 to meet the potential demand for transporting green fuels to meet global climate goals. My colleague Paul Barrell writes that the report, called Shipping's Role in the Global Energy Transition, said shipping will be crucial in transporting green fuels, but there's a yawning gap between announced government-led projects and what is required. The world needs 50 million to 150 million tons of low-carbon hydrogen by 2030, but current projects will only produce 24 million tons by that point, according to the report from the Tyndall Center at the University of Manchester. Paul also reports that the Maritime Just Transition Task Force released a report at COP27 that calculates that up to 800,000 seafarers will need additional training by the mid-2030s to be able to handle alternative fuels and propulsion for shipping. The task force was set up at COP26 in Glasgow to work out how to reskill the seafaring workforce for a digital and decarbonized future in safe and fair ways. It has come some distance since then, but the group involving ship owners, unions, and the United Nations stress that the hard work starts now. Green Seas is also a newsletter. Read all these stories and more at tinyurl.com slash greenseas4. That's tinyurl.com slash greenseas and the number four, where you can also subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast. Music for this episode is by Penguin Music from Pixabay.